0: Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن اياته ان خلق لكم من انفسكم اليها inna fee thalika la ayat illi qawmin yatafakkaroon wa qala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wasallam khayrukum khayrukum li ahlihi wa anah khayrukum li ahli awkama qala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wasallam most suspected of all of my kiram brothers and elders you <coughs> are gonna have to battle a little bit with the Difficulty of the sore throats and the voice not being to the normal situation. But inshallah, Allah will make it easy and make it a means of benefit for us, whatever will be discussed, Inshallah. <clears throat> this particular program, as you may have seen the poster that it has been titled, Heaven on Earth. Many might have been wondering very, very deeply that can there be such a thing like heaven on earth? Is this even possible? So many must have been thinking that is this something possible? Can there be a thing like heaven on earth? As far as nikah is concerned, the nikah commenced in heaven. The very first nikah of Hazrat Adam and Hazrat Hawa Alayhim as-salatu wa was-salam. This was in heaven. And nikah will continue in heaven. There will be the nikah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with Hazrat Asya radhiyallahu ta'ala anha, with Hazrat Maryam radhiyallahu ta'ala anha, the of the general believers with the hurs. so nikah will continue in heaven also. So it started off in heaven and will continue in heaven. And as far as this intermediary phase is concerned, as far as earth is concerned, then it can be heaven on earth. But that is the key word in it, that it can be heaven on earth Provided we work towards making it heaven on earth, it won't automatically become so. Came from heaven and will continue in heaven. And it can be made heaven on earth. As far as the objectives of nikah are concerned, what Allah wa ta'ala created the institution of Nikah for. If that is achieved, it will become heaven on earth. If that is not achieved, Allah forbid. It can become hell on earth. So, what is this objective? What did Allah wa Ta'ala create, create Nikah for? This Allah Ta'ala speaks about in the Quran Sharif. <speaking in> the Quran> among the signs of Allah Ta'ala, this is a very, very powerful introduction to everything. The signs of Allah wa ta'ala, something which is a distinguishing sign, which if a person ponders over it, it will bring him to the Marifat and the recognition of Allah Taala. So nikah is among those things that if a person ponders over it, Allah Ta'ala says that among these signs is that Allah Taala has created spouses for you from among you from the same species. And what is the purpose of this? Litas This is the object. So that you may gain this sukun, this peace, this tranquility, this happiness. This is the object of nikah. And in order for this to be achieved, because this couple are strangers to one another, there isn't any natural bond between them. Unlike, for example, parent and child is a natural bond. If the parent tries to forget that child, also he can't forget him. Sometimes it has happened. People talk about it. They became so fed up with the rebellion of some child, some son, so the father chased him out of the house. And he says, after I chased him out of the out of the house, I was worse off. He is no more in the house now. I'm even more tormented because this bond is. It's impossible to forget it. It's natural. So unlike that bond, the bond between husband and wife is not a natural bond. But Allah wa ta'ala created such a situation, Allah Ta'ala says out of His gift, wa rahma." Allah Ta'ala created between these spouses مَوَدَّةٌ, love, and rahmah, compassion. That without these two ingredients, the sukoon can't be possible. So Allah Ta'ala created this. But now the It has been granted, but it needs to be nurtured. It needs to be looked after. It needs to be maintained and it needs to be grown. So this love and this compassion is what will make this nikah an aspect of sukoon. Without this, merely dry rites, fulfilling of rights, doesn't achieve any sukoon any relationship for that matter. If it's just a very formal relationship, I will fulfill your rights, you fulfill my rights, and we don't bother about anything beyond that. And there is going to be no happiness in that relationship. So Allah tala created Mawadda, love. There's something beyond rights. What makes the spouses sacrifice for one another? That When one is ill, the other will spend the sleepless night. When one is in some difficulty, then the other one want to, will want to do something to help. This is Mawadda. Otherwise, if it comes to purely rights, then a person will say, this is not my duty. But Allah, wa ta'ala, created this. So this is the objective of Nikah. And when this objective is achieved, then it will become heaven on earth. And if this is not achieved, then it's impossible to achieve this heaven on earth. Now the question is, that how will this become heaven on earth? What is the prescription? We understood that this has to be achieved, the sukoon has to be achieved, but where will it come from? So as far as the sukoon way it will come from, this will come only from the way of Rasulullah Allah wa ta'ala has spelled this out for us in the Qur'an Sharif. Kana lakum that in the Nabi of Allah wa ta'ala, Allah Taala has given a beautiful and an excellent example for everything in life. Every facet of life has been catered for. And including how to make this nikah heaven on earth. Allah's Nabi sallallahu taught it. And when a person will deviate from his way of life, from his akhlaq, from his muasharat, then this is just a dream. It'll just be a wish it'll just be something for the books, something to hear about, about the past. Whereas it's achievable, but the prescription has to be taken. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, sometimes a person says, well, whatever Nabi Sallallahu thought, indeed, who can ever say anything about that? He's the most beautiful thing. But, I have so many of these pressures in my life, I'm so stressed out, and all this modern day life, kind of difficulties that go with it, the kind of stresses and pressures and whatever else. If you think about it, who could have been a busier person than Rasulullah But With the affairs of the entire ummah that he has to be worried about. Who could have been under greater pressure than him? <coughs> that at some time the message is coming that certain tribe are planning to attack the Muslims. Sometimes it's something from the munafiqeen. Sometimes the Yehuda up to their treachery. Sometimes it's something else. And forever there was some pressure of the other, of the magnitude that we can't imagine. So we think we have pressure? Did we look into the books of Sirat and read the life of Rasulullah and see the pressure that he bore? Sometimes a person says poverty. See, because of poverty. But who could have suffered the poverty that Nabi ﷺ suffered? where at times he had to tie two stones to his belly. Out of the pangs of hunger, to cool the pangs of hunger, he's tying two stones to his belly. And at times the visitor comes, some guest comes, Allah's Nabi ﷺ sends somebody, that go to the house and see if there's anything available. And he goes to one house, the second house, the wives of Rasulullah ﷺ, the Um Ummahatul Mu'mineen, and each of them, nine houses he goes to, and they say, Ma indana illal ma. The only thing available is water, nothing else. The only thing available in nine homes is water. So poverty then poverty Nabi experienced. And if somebody says fear, so much of fear, so who could have experienced more fear than Nabi? Where he himself describes this. وَلَقَدْ أُخِفْتُ فِي اللَّهِ وَمَا يُخَافُ أَحَدَّ I was given that amount of difficulty in the path of Allah wa Taala, and for the cause of the Deen of Allah Taala, that nobody had to bear this ever in the whole in the annals of history and ever to come, and I was made to fear that extent that nobody ever experienced this. One is the fear that a person experiences in terms of worldly situations, but who could have had greater fear of the akhirat Allah's Nabi ﷺ saw Jannah and Jahannam with his eyes. And he saw the punishment for the sinners in Jahannam. He was masoom, he was sinless. He had the glad tidings of Jannah in this earth. But the fear for his ummah. and therefore in one hadith Nabi ﷺ says, that لو تَعْلَمُونَ مَا أَعْلَمُ Had you known what I know, what I've seen with my own eyes, لَضَحِكْتُمْ قَلِيلًا بكئتم كَثِيرًا you would laugh less, and you would cry more. And in one narration of Behaqi, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi further says, in the same context, وَمَا تَلَزَّصْتُمْ مِنْ نِسَاءِ عَلَى الْفُرُشِ that You will even leave out being intimate with your wives, had you known what I know. So Allah's Nabi Sallallahu had all these situations, all these pressures, all these fears, all these circumstances that we make excuses for ourselves about. And with all that, he made nikah heaven on earth. With all that, he made each of his wives the happiest person on earth. Because sukoon doesn't come from material things. Sukoon doesn't come from the luxuries of life. That will be very good if suppose he has the sukoon and he has that also. Nurun ala nur, alhamdulillah. He has achieved it in a halal manner. But he's got sukoon, very good, no problem. But that doesn't give sukun in itself. Sukoon comes from the unity of the hearts. When the hearts are united, there's love for one another in the hearts. Then, when the hearts are one, even if there's poverty, that difficulty of the poverty is halved. And if there's abundance of wealth, but if there's disunity, there's discord, there's dissension, there's enmity, then there is no pleasure in any amount of luxury. Then the best luxury also is tasteless. Most delicious food also is tasteless. So the sukoon comes from the unity of the hearts. It comes from the love and muhabbat in the hearts. It doesn't come from things. Things, if they sukoon, will enhance it. But it doesn't give it. So in any case, Nabi Wasallam with all these pressures, with all these anxieties, with all these worries with all the responsibility of the entire ummah, he still made nikah heaven on earth. He still had the time to enter the home smiling and to make salam. He still had the time to show affection to his wives. He still had the time to take that effort. That is Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha, is taking a bite of some muscle and then Nabi ﷺ will take it and turn it to the same point that she put off. And he will eat from there forward. What was the reason for it? Just to show affection. that I have some feeling for you. So with all that, he had this time to make it heaven on earth. That idkhalus sururi fi qalbil mu'min to bring happiness to the heart of a mu'min is such a great ibadat. It's the greatest ibadat after the farais. So Allah ﷺ had this time for it. So, to make Nikah happen on earth, it's achievable. But there are certain things we have to keep in mind. Obviously, time is limited, we can't go into too many detail, details. But some things that we have to keep in mind there are three aspects. One is before the Nikah, one is the very Nikah itself, the function, the event of the Nikah, the occasion. And thereafter, the life after the Nikah. As far as the Nikah itself is concerned, and before the Nikah for that matter, Nikah, the very institution of Nikah, is something that is filled with Bergat, or is meant to be filled with And When Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala got married, the dua that Nabi Islam gave them on that occasion, and which thereafter became the Masnoon dua, whenever a Nikah takes place, we give the couple that dua. The Imam makes that dua for them. Barakallah fi kuma, wabarak alai kuma, wajama abeenakuma Khair. This is deduced from the same dua. Nabi saw also made dua grand them, grand for them. Allahumma barik lahuma, Allahumma barik fihi ma, Allahumma barik fi binahihima, Allahumma barik fi naslihima. Dua for barakah upon barakah. Allah grant barakah in them, grant barakah for them, grant barakah in their union, grant barakah in their Progeny to come. In every respect, Barkat. And everybody wants this Barkat in their Nikah. They want this Barkat in the Nikah of their children. Because when there's Barkat, there's Sukkun. When there's Barkat, there's happiness. If there's Barkat in wealth, that wealth will bring happiness. If there's no Barkat in wealth, that very wealth will become a source of difficulty, a source of anxiety, a source of problems. So the wealth itself is not a problem. But what is in the wealth? Is there barkat in it or is it the opposite of barkat in it? That is the question. That will depend on how it came. So either that wealth will bring, it will bring sukoon, Or if that wealth was achieved in a haram way, it will bring fire. It will burn everything down. So likewise, this nikah, we want barkat in it. So the barkat that will come in it, there are certain things to keep in mind before the nikah. Then during the Nikah event itself, and then the life thereafter. So these are the three things that we will briefly discuss. As far as the aspect before Nikah, then this becomes the prelude to the Nikah, becomes the foundation of that Nikah. So what is important and necessary is that nothing haram is done before Nikah. Unfortunately, let alone young people and couples that are now proposed to be married. There is no such thing as an engagement in din, isla- But there is a proposal in the sense where there's a promise from both sides. Okay, there's a promise now to marry one another. There's a proposal, there's an acceptance. There's a promise from both sides. Any kind of engagement, there is no such thing in deen. So in any case, when a proposal has taken place, then the couple are still strangers to one another just as they are strangers to anybody else on the street. That proposal doesn't make anything halal they are just as haram on one another like anybody else walking out on the street. Unfortunately and very tragically, let alone the couple that are to be married, that are proposed, many parents give their total blessing to all kind of contact before nikah. One is the contact of technology, the Bhatbari bari musibat of the time, the BBM, bahut bari musibat, and all the other things that go along with it that all this communication, this haram communication that takes place, this is weakening the foundation of that nikah, And it is draining out the barakat of that nikah. Now later on, when things are now in a different direction, nobody even thinks about it, that something has happened before, and no toba was made for it yet. You haven't even made toba for it yet. So unfortunately, this has become a very common thing, that let alone the couple that are to be married, even parents give their complete blessing to it. They allow contact, they allow visiting one another. One youngster, one day while just talking to him, he said, well no, I, wait, I just met my fiancé and came. So, what, what on earth are you talking about? He says, no, well I go every now and then. "So said, what do you mean you go? So He says, no, well I go and knock on the door, I ring the bell, the mother opens the door for me. So the total blessing of the parents, this, and if it is Allah forbid, if we regard this as something okay, then we're regarding something haram as halal. This even endangers a person's iman itself. So this communication, this courting, this dating, all this ruins the barakat of that nikah before it even takes place. This is something we need to take care- note about, parents need to take note about, and we don't allow the barkat of the nikah of our children to be drained away in this haram manner. <clears throat> in any case, to go forward, then comes the very occasion of nikah. As we said, we want barkat in it. We make dua for that barkat. We go to the pious people, tell them, make dua for the barkat in my child's marriage. But Nabi Salasim gave us a prescription of how to bring it. The prescription is in our hand. And that prescription is read out. Almost every time that a nikah takes place in the khutbah. The hadith of Rasulullah s.a.w. where Allah's Nabi s.a.w. says, Inna barakatan That the nikah with the greatest barakat is that nikah wherein the least expense has been incurred. That nikah will have the greatest barakat wherein the least expense has been incurred. That's a prescription for barakat. Unfortunately there's a race out there where there's an abundance of wealth, sometimes where there isn't even abundance on borrowed wealth. There's a race out there to show who can have a better function, who can do it in greater style, who can have better deco. One person who does some catering said there were some lot of back and forth in terms of the menu to cut down and trim the menu because the cost of the food was gone too high. So now, one part of the family or somebody in the family, wants certain thing and somebody is saying, no, we can't have it because it's too much. So in any case, not that whatever he's catering for is all in order as well, but in any case, he's giving his story. So he's saying, after all, when all this bickering carried on, so eventually he said, okay, this one me- part of the menu is from my side for free. So he told them, my side for free. In any case, he says, when he finally got there to the venue of the function on the day of that wedding, so he sees that the deco that is there is worth five times the cost of the meal. So there was all this bickering for the food, which would have gone in somebody's stomach at least. But the deco which is going to be torn and thrown away, that was worth five times the meal. For what? To show who? To impress who? And with our own money we buy the destruction of the barakat of our children's nikahs. So, this is the prescription for that nikah, for that barqat. Just to understand this in the light of one incident which we discussed some time previously on some other occasion. Hazrat Salman he sends Hazrat Abu Dardar to go and propose on his behalf. At a certain home, Hazrat Abu Dardar goes, he talks to the father, the family, that I have brought the proposal of my brother Salman. And he doesn't just bring some message like a postman. He gives all the virtues of As Salman. What a wonderful person he is. And he is among the foremost in Islam. And all the other good qualities of him. In any case, they think about it. And then they tell him after a while, Amma Salman falan Look, as far as Salman is concerned, we don't want to get our daughter married to him. Whatever their choice, nikah is not necessarily based on the person who has the, who's the best and most eligible person. It's something sometimes just a matter of compatibility, whatever. So he said, we don't want to get Salman married to our daughter. But but if you want, we get you married to our daughter. He came with the proposal of Prophet Salman. And now they have proposed to him. They made themselves clear that that chapter is closed. We're not interested in getting our daughter married to Salman. But if you're interested, we'll get her married to you. So he thinks about it, accepts after he accepts, that nikah takes place right there. Whoever was present in that home, they are called. The nikah takes place. Now he comes out of the house and now he is in a dilemma. He comes, he meets Hazrat Salman because he's is waiting for, to know what happened. So he comes to him and he says, That Salman, something has happened. Something has happened. Say, but I'm too embarrassed to talk about it. Say, what happened? What are you embarrassed to talk about? See, well, this is what happened. I took your proposal and went. I came back as a married man. So if it was one of us, then we have said, you snookered me. <laughs> but look at the response of the Salman. He replies and he says, you don't have to be embarrassed I'm more embarrassed you are more embarrassed what are you more embarrassed for, about it says that Allah Ta'ala had decreed her for you why did my mind go in that direction she was decreed for you why did I even think about her I'm more embarrassed you, shouldn't, you don't need to be embarrassed but the lesson that we learn from here is the simplicity of that nikah because nikah is a need It's a human need Like a person has other needs. And to the extent of the necessity, how vital that need is, Allah Ta'ala made it that easy. Person to breathe, he needs air all the time. He can't do without it for even a few moments. So air is free, he doesn't have to go anywhere to bring it. Allah Ta'ala made it free of charge. And he doesn't have to go fetch it from anywhere else also. He is breathing without even being conscious of it. Because it's vital for his survival. And then water, also important, very important, basic, but not as vital as air. If he doesn't have water for a few hours, maybe a day also he can still survive. But he needs it. So Allah Ta'ala didn't leave it for anybody to provide that water. Allah Ta'ala provides it. sama From the skies he'll come for free, from the earth he'll come out of the springs, from the wells, from the rivers, but you'll go fetch it. You'll have to capture it, you'll have to store it. So some effort will be required. It's not as vital as air. And food, you'll have to grow it. A Little bit more effort. You can do without food for a little longer. So to the extent of the necessity, how vital something is, how important it is, to that extent Allah made it easy. And likewise, nikah is a fundamental human need. A person when he's born, he has the need of food and drink, which is provided for by the mother. He needs Clothing, he needs shelter. The parents provide for this. But the fizzle of Allah, the parents become the means. And then a time comes in his life when he needs a partner in life for that sukoon. That sukoon which we spoke about earlier. And without this nikah, that sukoon is not available anywhere else. And without this nikah, there will be that void in his life, no matter what. It will be the rare exceptions. So you don't talk about the exceptions, you talk about the rule. The rule is without nikah there will be this void in a person's life, no matter what. And if he tries to fill this void in some way besides nikah, it might seem on the surface that he's having a very merry time. But under the surface go see the reality, he's in torment. He's in turmoil. There's no sukun in his life at all. So nikah has been provided for this sukun. And it's a fundamental human need. So Allah ta'ala made it this easy. In the presence of two witnesses, the Nikah will be performed. The Nikah is valid. Nabi the then gave us the virtue have the Nikah in the masjid, announce the Nikah, this aspect of secret Nikah, etc. This is against the spirit of Deen. The spirit of Deen is that the Nikah will be announced and it will be held in a public venue, the masjid Nabi encouraged. So, in any case, this function of Nikah for the barkat of that Nikah we are talking about nikah has to be made simple. To the extent that it will be made simple, to that extent there will be barakah. This is a clear prescription of Rasulullah Inna Then comes the aspect of the life, after nikah, the nikah. How do the couple then maintain this nikah, maintain this barakah in that nikah, and enhance it. This is the crucial aspect. Now, in this there are two two aspects, two sides to it. One is that side, of, maybe there's three sides we can say, but actually it's two sides, both combined become the third side. One is the husband, what is his role in bringing about the sukun? Then is what is the role of the wife? What role she has to play to bring about the sukun? And when both will play the role, then that's the third part that takes care of itself. Now, this particular discussion is addressed to the husbands. What the wife's role is, that will be addressed to the females when they are addressed in the, a separate program. So, a person will have to take what is meant for him. Once there was a problem between a couple, somebody gave each one of them a book which contained all the rights and responsibilities of husband and wife. So, what happened? the husband started reading all the rights and responsibilities, all the responsibilities of the wife. And the wife started reading all the responsibilities of the husband. And now each one is saying, I hope you read number 34. You rather look on page 36, something very important for you there. So that increased the problem. Because each one is worried about what the other is supposed to do. But if each one takes care of what they are supposed to do, automatically everything takes care of itself. So what the wife is supposed to do, that is a separate thing. That will be discussed when the are discussed, addressed. What we are supposed to do is what we are going to be discussing now. So, therefore, we have to bear these things in mind. As far as this Nikah is concerned and the Sukkun making it heaven on earth, this requires that we make an investment in this Nikah. Now, the word investment, and especially sitting in Westville. So it only goes, and maybe previously they used to always talk about six figures. It is now old hat. Are you going to start off from eight maybe? So probably that's the only thing that comes to our mind. That investment will be something very, very costly maybe. No, we're not talking about that investment at all. We have heard already the sukun in Nikah can come with poverty also. The sukun in Nikah can come without the luxuries of the world. The sukun of Nikah is not dependent on these things. We're talking about investment in terms of the emotional investment that makes this nikah a thing of sukoon. And like a person investing monetarily in something, then he takes his time, he takes his, applies his mind. He wants to work out what is going to be the right thing to do. When should he invest? How much should he invest? How should he invest? and he applies his faculties, he uses his contacts, he reads up whatever is necessary, he does the necessary research, The whatever is necessary to be done, to make that investment prosper, to make it profitable, so that he now enjoys the benefits thereafter. So that's exactly the investment that is required in nikah, to apply the mind. What is going to, do, what is going to be the right thing to do here? And to keep investing in that emotional bank. There's an emotional bank. And how a person conducts himself, he's either depositing in that emotional bank or he's withdrawing from it. He comes home very cheerfully, whatever his anxieties are, all his worries, the hard day he had at work, whatever, he locked it outside. Because the home is not the place for that. Before he steps in the house, he must give all that outside. Tomorrow when he's going to work, pick it up and carry on. So he left all that outside and he walked in cheerfully making salam and saying some words of endearment, saying something that will cheer the heart. He's depositing in that emotional bank. And when these deposits keep carrying on over time, then this creates a healthy relationship. And then like anybody else in life, They are always ups and downs. Life is a roller coaster. Everybody has ups and downs. Sometimes a person is going through the garden route and sometimes there is a karu also. So these ups and downs carry on. But if this emotional bank is healthy, then when the downs come, there is still enough to sustain it. There is still plenty to sustain it. Like a person now, he has got a very healthy bank balance. Some problem came, some loss, some disaster, whatever. So now it was a big bull, 100,000 rand. But there's enough there to still sustain everything. It's carrying on. So it doesn't bother him too much. But he was sitting on zero and now even 100 rand got lost. He was sitting on zero and 100 rand got lost becomes a major thing. And there 100,000 got lost. But he took it in his stride. Because there was enough to still sustain him. There's still a couple million left. So 100,000 didn't dent anything. And your hundred rand caused a major upheaval. What way are we going to buy bread from tomorrow? So depending on how much we deposit in this emotional bank, and this is the lessons that Nabi Wasallam thought. There were times when Nabi ﷺ would lie down with his head in the lap of Hazrat Aisha r.a. And he would recite Qur'an Sharif. Was there no pillow in the house? No, no, this was the emotional bank. This is in our terms all these fancy terminology that these people bring about from here and there the foundation of it all is in the sunnah they just give it these fancy terms we don't need to go anywhere to find all these things it's all in the sunnah for us so this was no coincidence this was Nabi sallallahu alaihi depositing in that emotional bank that the heart must get happy a person compliments for example the cooking of his wife how many of us do it? It's taken for granted, that she must do it. And on top of that we make demands on it. But that compliment rather be, so that compliment what it will do is it will deposit something in that bank. But instead of complimenting what we have we have sarcasm. So if we do say something to it will be a sarcastic remark. And that makes a major withdrawal. One withdrawal one sarcastic remark, then the second then the third now we're already scraping the bottom. And now when you scrape the bottom, it's very painful. It makes scratches and marks and whatever. So this emotional bank is something we have to now keep filling. And the person fills this emotional bank with the akhlaq that Nabi Wasallam taught. And therefore Nabi Salaam in the hadith, in fact before this in the Quran Sharif, Allah wa Ta'ala gives us this directive. Keep filling this emotional bank. Allah ta'ala intercedes on behalf of the woman. Can we imagine the president writing a little note that my person is coming, look after him. He drops everything. This man is coming from the president's side. The president has sent a note. Who is the president? Today's president, tomorrow's prisoner. Allah Rabbul Izzat, Khaliq Aynad, is making sifarish and interceding on behalf of the wife. And Allah, Allah is saying in the Quran Sharif, Treat her kindly in the world. And a person will say that, you know, it takes two hands to clap. One hand, one hand, or what can you do? One hand can only slap. And it takes two hands to clap. So Allah, Allah is saying, no, don't worry, you make it clap with one hand. Sometimes you will dislike something. But Allah Ta'ala will put good for you in the very same thing you dislike. Quran Sharif is speaking. Allah Ta'ala finish intercede on their behalf. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam further than intercedes. Can we imagine? Can we imagine Allah interceding? Then Allah Ta'ala's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is interceding. That istawsu bin nisa'i khairah. That Accept my wasiyat Like a plea. Imagine a person standing and he's pleading. Look, please, listen to me. Just take this, what I'm saying. Can we imagine Allah's Nabi pleading to us, Istawsu. please accept my wasiyat. Wasiyat is a very, very strong word. When a person's, his parting wish, he's passing away. So he makes some parting wish, it's called wasiyat. Now that's the most important thing to him, while leaving the world, he said it. Allah's Nabi was say, my wasiyat to you, bin treat your, accept my wasiyat, to treat your wives, in a good manner. So now a person will say, but you know what, I got married, I expected a rather different kind of thing. As some people when they get married, they expect that they are getting married to somebody out of this world. One person said, I am looking for a girl to get married who is out of this world. So I told him, well you have to go out of this world to find her. What are you looking for in this earth? If you are looking for somebody out of this world, then go out of this world to find her. If you are looking for somebody in this world, then you will have to find somebody who is the type of person in this world. So now a person says, But I expected something else and I don't see everything going the way I wanted. So Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam answered that up front. That innal marata Dila'in." that a woman has been created from a rub. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is answering a question beforehand. Before you ask it, there's your answer. Lan laka ala tariqatin. Now who is being addressed with this? The wife is not being told. A husband is being told that, look, this is the situation, you're going to have to keep it controlled. So now the husband needs to keep the control, he needs to consider all this, he needs to maintain all this with all the difficulties that may come sometimes. لَن تَسْتَقِيمَ لَكَ عَلَىٰ تَرِيقَةٍ She will never ever be the way that you want all the time. There's one little anecdote on this, which some of these things they say is from the Lal Kitab, the book which got no pages. Perhaps this is on page 50 somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> so this one person was walking somewhere, he found one bottle. So he opened the bottle up. Somebody had trapped one gin inside. It's a Lal Kitab one, so don't ask me beyond that. So in any case, when this gin came out, so it asked him, you know what, nevertheless you released me, so let me do something for you. So the gins can do some amazing things. So this person, he scratched his head first and he said, you know what, I think, uh, you know, every month I'm going to China, so rather just build this. Highway for me directly from here to China. So I just can drive down all these airports and all the other rigmarole. So the Jinnah told him, you ought to "Be reasonable, little bit. Highway from here to China across the oceans. See something beyond me now." So then he said, "Okay, okay, leave that highway. Okay, just do this much. Just make it such that my wife listens to everything that I say." So now the Jinnah started scratching his head. So then the Jinnah asked him, "Okay, that highway you want three lanes or four lanes?" <laughs> So this is never going to happen. This Allah's Nabi Islam is already saying it to us. ala She will never ever be the way you want it all the time. So why are you expecting it? When Nabi ﷺ has spelt it up front, and therefore Nabi Islam says, استمتعت بها استمتعت بها You want to make it work, you have to make it work with all the whatever comes along with it. Otherwise you're going to make it break. So Allah's Nabi ﷺ, Allah ta'ala finish interceding on behalf of his servants. Allah's Nabi is interceding. Now it is up to the person now to take it further from there. And Nabi therefore says to him, that خَيْرُكُمْ خَيْرُكُمْ وَأَنَا خَيْرُكُمْ that The best among you is the one who is best to his wife. After having spelled all this out, how she will be. He's already spelled out up front how she will be. And with all that, Nabi Salaam is saying, you want to be the best? Then don't say my way or the highway. <coughs> then don't say my way or the highway. Then you still be the best. khairukum li ahlihi. The best among you who is the one who is the best to his wife. Obviously, within the limits of Shariat. Within the limits that Allah and His Rasul have, have given us. Not out of those limits. And khairukum li لِأَهْلِهِ To further emphasize it, Nabi Salaam says, with all whatever his responsibilities are, whatever his difficulties are, whatever circumstances he is in, he said, I am the best to my wife. Of everybody else, nobody can compare to me how good I am to my wife. So Nabi Islam has already given this prescription and this is what we need to take to heart, that this is something that we have to invest in. And in order to now maintain this, there are various aspects... As you might have read on the poster, this program will be in two segments. The next segment will be next week. You will just read a little bit of this pamphlet that inshallah will be distributed next week when the next part of this program takes place. Uh, There are various subtitles here and each one deals with some practical tips, practical points. Everything, this is a lifelong thing, something that is meant to be maintained a lifelong, can't be discussed in a few minutes. But nevertheless, some aspects that we will keep in mind, one of the most fundamental things is the general conduct. As we mentioned, some of the things have already come in, in the course of the discussion, that we are talking about what is the husband supposed to do. What the wife is supposed to do, we'll talk to the woman when we are addressing them. The first thing here is the general conduct. One rule, golden rule, and if you can live by this, many of the things will take care of itself. Number one, live with your wife, and speak to her in the manner that you would want to treat your you would want someone to treat your own daughter this really sums it that we need to put ourselves in that situation that how I would want somebody to treat my daughter tomorrow when my daughter is in her home and if I don't have a daughter then I've got some sister, some aunt some relative who is close to me, dear to me. How would I want her to be treated? Then my wife is also somebody's daughter. My wife is also somebody's sister. My wife is also somebody's granddaughter. They also have hearts. They also have feelings. And let me put myself in that shoes that tomorrow my daughter is in somebody's house. And she has made the same mistake that today my wife made. She has made the same mistake for the 10th time, like my wife made it now. What kind of response I will wish for from my son-in-law? I would want him to blow the roof. Fine. And Allah forbid, sometimes, as they say, what goes around comes around. How we will treat other people's daughters, Allah forbid, the same treatment doesn't come around again. So this is a golden rule, and we need to sit and think about this. How we want our parents to be treated by our wives. We need to pass on the same thing across. This is a two-way thing, it's not a one-way thing. There's two two people involved. Both have feelings, both have hearts, both have to fill into this emotional bank. So all these things need to be brought into the account into the equation. So this is the first rule that is mentioned, the first aspect that is mentioned here. Then the second point, provide for her with... Uh, number two, laugh and joke with her within the limits of Shariat. This is something, if you look again in the life of Rasulullah Wasallam, Allah's Nabi with all the responsibility of the ummats, with all the things that he had to endure. There were times... And this was a regular feature. He would sit with his wives, and he would talk to them. He would sometimes say things that are lighthearted to them, humorous things. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu. As Aisha Radhiyallahu Anha was asked about Nabi Sallallahu, that what was he in the house? She said, what are you asking? He was one of us. He would become part of the household. He would help in the household chores. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu is helping in the household chores. As we said, who can be busier? Who can have more responsibilities? He's helping with the household chores. Then. Nabi sallallahu Alaihi would laugh would joke with them so this is something that is very important this adds to that emotional bank now a person comes like he is oh he's passed Bayezid Bustami and Junaid Baghdad and everybody he's got his tasbih in his hand and his head is in the sky and he knows nobody around in the world that's not the way Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam lived his life in the home he was one among them there's a whole hadith in Tirmizi Sharif in Bukhari Sharif hadith of Umm Zara' Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sat down with his wives one day and he's telling them in the past about an incident where 11 women, they started describing, each one is describing her husband. What kind of a person my husband is. Very interesting reading. We might find our description somewhere also. So in any case, all this Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did. So, this is something that is required. Sometimes a person says, that my wife is complaining for nothing. I didn't say one word, I didn't say one word and he's 100% right wallah he didn't say one word he's giving her the silent treatment <laughs> for three days wallah he hasn't said one word and that silent treatment is sometimes worse than even any kind of languages he can use to, because that is torturous now, is that the akhlaq that Nabi Salasim taught? and then he is on top of that saying wallah he didn't say one word indeed 100% he didn't say one word but that silence is that is more torture than many words also so this is something that needs to be kept in mind and done accordingly number three spend quality time with your wife and children many a times this kind of complaint comes this correspondence comes, emails, whatever sms's and and this is not something isolated it's like every week thing and we probably receive one minor fraction of it Allah knows best how many is flying around everywhere my husband the whole day is not at home I'm waiting the whole day for him And he comes home and then he's playing games on his phone. Subhanallah. He hasn't yet forgotten his childhood. His childhood has still come along with him. He's a married man, he's a father. He's still sitting and playing games on his phone. His wife is waiting for him the whole day. And Now he comes, he says, no, I'm de-stressing. He's de-stressing in a way that he's stressing everybody else out. So this kind of de-stressing, this is not anywhere close to akhlaq. This is against the chark of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The person is de-stressing in a way that stresses everybody else out. The person is playing, as they say, what um, PSP. PSP is supposed to be standing for. Please stop playing, <laughs> but he is still playing. So this is something which is not imaginable. The person now is supposed to be spending this quality time, sitting with his family, having some time with them. Here he is sitting and reading his car magazine and he's doing other things and there's no time for the family. This is against the dictates of this emotional bank that we're talking about. Number three, create such a loving presence in the home that your family uh, members look forward to seeing you. They should not dread your presence. When a person comes home, then there is sukun coming along. It is not that when the husband is coming home, and everybody is now reading, Ya subohu, Ya Quddusu, Ya ghafuru, Ya wadudu, and they're now preparing to blow on him now. They all come back in a good mood. And she's busy in some dua. Ya Allah, please make it that he comes. He doesn't come saying that he had a bad day because then he's my bad whole evening after that. So, this is something that will come with the correct akhlaq. How we deal, time has already long gone by. We'll just finish off on again one another little anecdote of how we are supposed to conduct ourselves. Just this is again those Lalkit ones but it's just meant to highlight what the requirement is that this one person went into a coma, they thought he passed away, so because he was totally still and no pulse they could feel whatever so eventually they did the necessary they gave him husal, kafan etc now he's lying there, his family is all around wife is crying and then they came, they took the janaza, and as they're walking along there was one low-lying branch, which they didn't see. So as they walk in the janaza along, the janazah hit this branch. But with a jerk, he came out of the coma. He sat up. So Alhamdulillah, everybody was very happy. They came back, brought him, carried on. After some time passed, here year, two years, and he really passed away. Now again, the whole process again, Osal, Kafan. Now, eventually the time came to take the Mayyat. So the sons came along, as they're about to take the mayyad, so the widow now she called one son close to her ear, and she said, look, when you're going now, please watch out for that (laughs) branch. Mustn't happen he comes back. (laughs) So this is not supposed to be the way that a person conducts himself. Outwardly everybody makes it look like, mashallah, alhamdulillah, everything is fine. But inside they're hoping that this person doesn't even come back. So Nabi ﷺ gave us that akhlaq. He gave us that kind of muasharat, gave us that kind of pure and clean life that makes this home a place of sukoon. It makes it heaven on earth. It makes it really an example of Jannat. Jannat, nothing can compare to Jannat. Jannat is beyond our imagination. But in terms of the objective of nikah, in terms of that sukoon, Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has given that way of life. He has taught that akhlaq, that if we take this initiative, we take this investment, we make this effort to make this investment, <coughs> then this is something achievable. There are many, many other things that will follow, inshallah, next week. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala give us tafik to adopt the pure and the beautiful teachings of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala guide us. We have taken up quite a bit of time today. Inshallah, will make dua. Inshallah, on the next program, we will continue. Allah leka alhamdu kulluhu wa leka alshukur kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsithanan alayka, antaka ma athnita ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bima huwa walamna Rabbana valamna anfusana wa in lam takhfil lana watarhamna lanakunan na min al khasirin. Rabbikfir waraham, wa'afu watakarram, watajawaz amma ta'alam. Innaka anta ala'azul akram. Allahum inna nasaluka min khayri maa saalaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka seyiduna muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharr musta'adhaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka seyyiduna muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musna'an wa alayka al-balaag wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-adhi al-adhim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi seyyidina muhammadi wa alihi wa sahabihi wa jama'in